Thank you for tuning into the Apostolic Pentecostal Church podcast. You are currently listening to one of our iGrow series lessons. If you're in the Bloomington, Illinois area and want to sit in person, feel free to join us Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. for Bible study and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for worship in the Word. Can't make it in person? No big deal. Find us on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram and search Apostolic Pentecostal Church. Either way, we'd love to fellowship and worship with you. We hope to see you. Thank y'all for coming. Welcome to iGrow 2021. This is our fourth uh, year, for fourth fall of doing iGrow, and tonight we're going to get into biblical baptism. There's a, uh, uh, a lot of people on this planet that have not been baptized the way that the Bible teaches, and tonight we're going to get it. We're not going to give our philosophy. We're not going to give our opinion. We're just going to, I'm basically going to read scriptures or maybe get y'all to help read, read some of these scriptures and, and give you a little color and a little detail and a little background and move on to the next one. And, and I promise you the word will explain itself, but you just can't do it in one chapter or just in one book. You got to get all over the scripture and let the word, uh, speak to you so tonight we're going to start off with the it's kind of this is kind of in question and answer format and i kind of like that style of of teaching and uh, so the first question that we're going to talk about is is baptism re, uh, required for salvation that's a pretty heavy that's a pretty heavy now some people say well you got to be baptized you got to be baptized that's it that's essential okay and that's true but guess what there's a lot of other things that are essential you know, the Bible says we're saved by grace, through faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So faith is essential, right? There's a uh, there's multiple scriptures that say that we must obey. Okay? So there's a lot of scriptures that, that teach that we're saved by grace. There's a confession. Romans says we're, we're saved by confession. There's repentance. There's scriptures that tell us we're saved by repentance. Uh, there's scriptures that tell us uh, that you must have the Holy Ghost. If you, you have not His Spirit, you're none of His. So it must be born of water and the Spirit. And you're saved by endurance. Jesus said, He that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. So my point is, yes, baptism is absolutely essential. But to walk up to somebody on the street and say, if you'll come get in the water in Jesus' name, you'll be saved, is not necessarily right. Because He has to, he has to know... He has to know about this Jesus that he's going down in the name of, and he has to have faith in, uh, he, and he has to believe that he really was a, a person. He was a man. He never sinned. He paid the price for my. See what I'm saying? So it's a package deal. So, absolutely, the Bible teaches that baptism is essential, but be be cautious that you don't just you know. I know a, a while back we were having these street deals where you just walk up and say would you rather go to heaven or go to hell and the people say well i'd rather go to heaven we'll say come get this water but you know come on guys we gotta let the word be our foundation and so that's what we're going to do tonight and uh to answer this first question i'm going to answer it real short yes <laughs> baptism is required it's essential you must have it jesus says in mark 16 15 through 16 he uh, he said unto them Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Watch. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He, but he that believeth not 
shall be dead. So he didn't just leave it at believe. He, he went ahead in this. He's got his 11 disciples with him. Judas has gone and hanged himself. He's just got the 11 remaining. He's, he's about to ascend to heaven from this conversation he's having here in Mark 16. And he says, in this very important meeting, he said, if you believe and get baptized, you'll be saved. Now that's Christ with the apostles. He left the church in the hands of these 11 men. Those are the only ones that we know spent those three years. They say three, some say three and a half. Followed him around, unemployed, gave up their jobs, left their homes, left their children. Followed him around for three years, three and a half years. And, and he taught them everything. And he opened their, their understanding and, uh, and left the church in their responsibility. And his last instruction to them was, you got to go out and teach people and preach the gospel. And if they believe and get baptized, they'll be saved. But if they don't believe... They'll be down. In Acts 2, <clears throat> this is a couple of scriptures here. And sometimes you have to take a scripture and take a second scripture to, to define what's being said. In Acts 2, Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost. Verse 20, uh, 2.21 says, It shall come to pass, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. What does that mean? I can just walk out in the yard or back in the woods and say, Jesus, and I'll be saved. If you just read that verse by itself, that's what it, you could make a thesis on that, couldn't you, Jonathan? Probably. That's, that's not what he... That's wrong. <laughs> See, you've got to take the whole of Scripture. Look what Paul says in Acts 22, 16. He defines what Peter was talking about when he says, call the name of the Lord. He's in front of the chief magistrate in Jerusalem, and there's a... Everywhere Paul went, he created a riot. You know, he... Uh, he, he either had a revival or a riot everywhere he was at after he got the Holy Ghost. And it says, uh, that, that he gives his testimony. He describes Acts 9, the conversion, knocking off his beast, blinded. And he gives his whole testimony, which, by the way, he did in a lot of places. And then he says, uh, when Ananias came to see him, this was, and now why tarriest thou? This is Ananias talking to Paul, and Paul testifying about it in Acts 22, of <coughs> something that happened in Acts 9. Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, comma, calling on the name of the Lord. So when Peter stands up in Acts 2 and says, everybody that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, what was he saying? He was saying the same thing Jesus said. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. How do you wash away your sins? Calling on the name of the Lord. What do you wash with? Water. Everybody on the planet knows water is the agent that you that you wash with. So there's a there's a, a two scripture uh, uh, proof that baptism is required. First Peter three twenty, uh, and when the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein there is eight souls, uh, that is eight souls were saved by what water. The like figure whereinto even baptism doth also now save us. And that's what the question is. Is baptism required for salvation? Peter in 1 Peter chapter 3 says, Baptism, water, does save us. And what is it? It's putting away the filth of the flesh. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but an answer of a good conscience toward God. So, another verse describing what Peter told in, in Acts 2.38. When they said, what must we do? He said, he said, baptism is going to save you. Jesus said it. Peter said it. Paul said it. <clears throat> I think that pretty much handles it when you've got those three. 
Uh, next page, chapter 3, uh, continuing on. This is the fourth account that I'll give you, and this is another uh, connection between two verses, one old, one new. And we'll talk just a minute about circumcision. Abraham was given a covenant. Abraham was the father of the faithful. He was given this covenant, and this covenant was called circumcision. And it says, He that is born in thy house, and he that is bought with thy money, must needs be circumcised. I'm in Genesis 17, 13. <clears throat> and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the, see, notice it says everlasting covenant. means never ending. And the uncircumcised man-child, whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, thou shalt, soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. So you see, it's very ex explicitly explained that, that it was required. Circumcision was required. But guess what? Jesus goes, goes to the cross, and then when we get into the, to the New Testament after Calvary, Paul says circumcision neither profiteth anything. Okay? So watch what happens when Paul writes to Colossians. Chapter 2, verse 10. And ye are complete in Him, that Him is Jesus, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh, by what? The circumcision of Christ. And then there's a, there's a colon, and we're going to get a definition of what the circumcision of Christ is. Buried with Him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised Him from the dead. So, circumcision is an everlasting covenant. The form of circumcision changed at the cross. It's still an everlasting covenant, but now the form, Romans 2 describes that further. It says he's not a Jew that's a, that's a Jew outwardly. He's a Jew that's a, a Jew inwardly. And says circumcision is not in the outward, but inside the heart. Same, same principle. So to be in covenant with God, according to Genesis 17 and Colossians 2, in the new dispensation, in the new covenant, in the New Testament, we have to be buried with Christ in baptism. It's, it's uh, essential. And that's where our sins are washed away. A lot of people don't believe that. I saw a debate when I was preparing for this, David Bernard and, and this other fellow, and, and they, if, if, they, if they would believe that you go into the water for the removal of your sins, then they, then they would be okay with saying it was, it was necessary. But they, they were debating whether it was necessary or not. And they said, their, their point is you're saved by grace through faith. No, no. By grace only, through faith only, in Christ only. That was their motto or their belief. And uh, that sounds good. That sounds good because, you know, we're not saved by works, you know. And, and we can't save ourselves. And, and that, but, but that sounds real good till you start digging in. And you are saved by grace. And you are saved by your faith. God's grace, your faith. That's Ephesians 2.8. And you are saved by Christ only because He's the Savior of the world. So I... I don't disagree with right. with anything he's saying, but but uh, believing he leaves believing out, and we know believing is required. I mean, Jesus said, "If you believe I'm the resurrection of life," he says, "You'll you'll never die." You know, so he he didn't mention washing your sins away. You know, he didn't he didn't mention baptism. So anyway, very interesting. We got to understand. 
the, the basic premise of what the Bible teaches and why you go under in the water, it, you know, for the remission of sins. And then you, you don't have trouble uh, when people come and they give you those nifty little uh, by faith only and by grace only and Christ only. So it sounds really good. Uh, number five. John chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Is baptism essential for salvation? <clears throat> the words of Christ. Acts 2, verse 40. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself. From this untoward generation. This is Peter after he gives his Acts 2.38 message. And he says, save yourself. So there's that word saved. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. He just told them. He just told them that. He said, save yourself. And then the next verse, the next sentence. They that gladly received his word were baptized. So... Uh, just that just that one scripture alone would, would say, hmm, sound like if you want to be saved, you need to get baptized. And the same day they were added about 3,000 souls. Number seven, I'm, I'm still under, is baptism required for salvation? Acts 16, 29. It says, this is, this is a, a great you know, New Testament action story. You know, they can make a good movie out of this. Acts chapter 16, you know, Paul and Silas and and uh, they get arrested, and y'all know the story. They get arrested not for stealing or doing crack cocaine or anything. They get arrested because they cast a demon out of a woman. Now, that's, I wonder, in their uh, penal code and in their, what, you know, if that was really one of the, <laughs> if that was really part of the law, you get arrested for casting demons out. And uh, anyway, so they're arrested and they're, they're, they're beaten. And they were cast into the inner prison. They got these chains on them. They began to sing and praise and worship. <clears throat> and at midnight, they weren't complaining. <clears throat> they were worshiping after going through a pretty rough day. And uh, so uh, about that time, the whole jail begins to shake, Jonathan. And the doors were all open. And I don't know if there was 20 people in there or 200 people in there. But everybody's doors got open. So praise and worship and prayer is a pretty powerful thing. And God stepped in and the jailer, who was a Philippian, who was a, a Gentile, uh, is now scared because if the prisoners don't kill him, then he'll be killed for allowing them all to escape. So he, he knows he's, he's a walking dead man, basically. And uh, <clears throat> he falls down in front of uh, Paul and Silas. He says, what, what must I do to be saved? I'm going to read it to you so I don't misquote it. He came in, uh, he called for a light, and he sprang in, came trembling, fell down before Paul and Silas. Acts 16.29. Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sir, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Okay. Now watch. They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Now is that is that where the... Is that where the we end the book of Acts and we go to the book of Romans or is that, is that where the story ends or not? Next sentence. So you, can't, you can't just take one verse. See, because you say, well, look, all you got to do is believe. Okay. Watch the next sentence. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. What was that, Nathan? They were teaching. They, he was telling them about Jesus. Okay. And he took them the same hour of the night 
and washed their stripes and was baptized. He and all his straight way. Before it got daylight, if I'm understanding the scripture right, and there weren't probably street lights and there probably wasn't some swimming pool or some church to go to with a baptistry, they had to go down to an old snaky, spidery little creek and they probably they didn't have flashlights. So now they, and why, did, why was it so important that they go and get the baptized right at that moment. Why, why couldn't they wait till 10 o'clock the next morning and go and they didn't have to have torches and... Probably might, uh, some sunlight comes out and they might turn to stone or something like that. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe they, uh, some people... That's I've, just a joke. No, I know, I know a guy literally that it was December the... 20th or something and we had cold weather believe it or not in Louisiana and it was like 25 degrees and he did a Bible study at a, a friend of mine's house and he saw he needed to be baptized in Jesus name and he made him baptize him right on the spot he said I could die I could have a heart attack get in the car and drive down the road and have a heart attack and he went out in, in 25 degree weather in a swimming pool and baptized him <laughs> so I think that's probably more in line with why they were so um uh, it was so critical that people, once they saw it, they, they, they didn't want to take a chance. The fear of God, you know, I, I see it. I've got to obey it. And he takes his whole family, this jailer who is his enemy just a few hours before, so to speak, and his captor, and he takes he and his whole family in, in, in the dark and takes him down and puts him in the water and baptizes him. And we know how Paul baptized. He baptized in the name of Jesus. Now, I'm going to end this question here with just a, a note that Jesus Christ himself was baptized by John the Baptist. So, a lot of people say, well, he didn't have any sin. Well, you know, why did he need to get baptized? Well, I, I know the answer to that. You know, he needed to get baptized because he, he told us, he said, all righteousness, he told John the Baptist, all righteousness must, must be fulfilled. I'm going to ask my followers to do it, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to lead by example. So, uh, and I will point out too, when he went under the water, when Jesus went under the water, a voice comes from heaven as he's coming up out of his baptism. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Kind of confirming baptism, if you will. And isn't that cool? And so Jesus and his disciples really believed that baptism was important. On page five, we go to the next question. Did Jesus instruct his disciples to baptize? And to answer that question, <clears throat> because remember, he never lived here during the church age. Jesus never was here. He ascended, and seven to ten days later, the, the church was birthed, and the Holy Ghost fell. So we have the end of Matthew, the end of Mark, and the end of Luke. The very end is the last meeting that Christ had with his disciples. And I've already quoted Mark 16. And go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Now that was what Mark recorded. But Matthew says it. And Jesus spake, uh, came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So... We have two different accounts from two different men, Matthew and Mark, and in both of them, same setting, same meeting, both of them, Jesus mentions baptism. I don't think this is a meeting where he would have been talking about, you know, who's going to win the Super Bowl or who's going to win the World Series. You know, he's 
He spent three and a half years with these guys. The church is fixing to be born in just a week. And he's fixing to ascend. They're fixing to see him fly off into heaven. So I think his words, Nathan, will be very important. The most important of the, of the most important. And both times that we have in this account that he, he mentions ba uh, uh, being baptized. Now, I'm going to talk about the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost thing, and I think, later on in the study. But uh, I will point out here that he just said in Matthew 28, All power is given unto me. And then he uses the word therefore. Go ye therefore and baptize in the name singular of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So <clears throat> that the disciples had been taught what the name of the Father was in, in uh, John 5.43, I believe it was. Jesus said, I am coming my Father's name. And in another scripture in John 16, Jesus said, The Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. So they knew, they knew what the name of the Father, what the name of the Son, and what the name of the Holy Ghost was. And they went out and obeyed. They didn't go out and repeat. If I say, Nathan, get up and turn out the light, and you sit down right there and you say, get up and turn out the light, you didn't do what I told you to do. You just echoed what I said. And so they didn't echo what he said. They did what he told them to do. They went, and we're going to see the accounts every time that, he, that the disciples baptized, they baptized in Jesus' name. And then finally, did Jesus instruct his disciples to baptize? Was it important to give that command? Luke, the, the third account of this same meeting, uh, 2445, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures and said unto them, Thus it is written, and, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins, which Peter's going to define for us. That's another one of those where you got to go, how do you get remission of sins? Baptism. Okay. So now we have baptism mentioned in all three of these, which is that same meeting, and that remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So is baptism essential for salvation? Yes. Did Jesus instruct His disciples to baptize? Yes. <clears throat> did the early church, page 6, did the early church sprinkle when they baptized? The original Greek word for, for uh, baptize is baptizo. This word uh, means to immerse, to submerge, to wash, to make clean with water. So, Jonathan, when Peter preached the message on the day of Pentecost, and they said, what must we do? He could have, when they translated into the English language from the, from the Greek, they could have just as easily said, uh, repent and be baptized, every one of you. They could have easily just translated, repent and be immersed, every one of you. They chose the word baptize for some reason, but they could have used the word immerse. So we're talking now just briefly on sprinkling versus immersion. So my point is, when you see the word baptized, it means put under water. It does not in any... It, it has nothing to do with sprinkling, okay? We're supposed to be buried with Christ in baptism. Have you ever been out to the graveside and put see them sprinkle a little dirt on the coffin and say, we're done, you know? No, we're buried. Uh, there's no mention in your Bible of baptism by sprinkling. A lot of this stuff came in as traditions... And we could, if we had time, we could, I could show you where a lot of that came in. Uh, Matthew 3.16, Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And that's when he heard, this is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. Acts 
835 is the Ethiopian eunuch. And uh, the Bible's very clear there. Um, he says, if, well, watch what he says. Philip said, if thou believest. The eunuch says, here's water. What does hinder me to be baptized? Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart. You didn't go out and say, you didn't go out and say, you ready to go to heaven or go to hell? Well, I'd rather go to heaven. Well, let's put you on the water. That's not how... He, he, had been, he had been teaching the Scripture, and he'd been talking about Jesus, and he, he began at that Scripture that the eunuch was reading, and he, and he taught Jesus. And the next verse, the eunuch says, here, Hey, can I, get, can I get baptized? Which proves you can't properly teach Christ without teaching baptism. Okay? And, and he said, um, when he said, If you believe with all thy heart, the eunuch turned around and said, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down, both of them, into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Romans 6, 4 says, Therefore we are buried with him in baptism. So, I'm not spending much time on this, but there's, there's no one sprinkled in your Bible. Um, we are believers that the Word of God is, we, we should do our best to obey the Word of God and not traditions that have evolved since that time because man can get a, we, we know if you have 1,500 denominations and there's one Bible, you know something's not right. <laughs> right? We're all reading the same Bible. Next question on page 7. Did the early church baptize in titles? Now, I could have I gone to all the... There's, uh, the very last page in your, your handout is uh, page 17 is uh, the references in the book of Acts where baptism is mentioned and there's 13 of them. Uh, there's two in chapter 8, and there's two in another chapter, but there's 13 mentions in 28 chapters. And uh, it, it either specifically says in Jesus' name, or it, or it doesn't say. It never does it say in the titles, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, as far as, as, far as uh, how they were put under the water. But I didn't want to go there, because you can do that. I, I wanted to go to the, the smart people, Encyclopedia of Religious Ethics. The formula... Um, used was the name of the Lord Jesus Christ or some synonymous phrase. There is no evidence for the use of the triune, triune name. The earliest forms represented in Acts was simply immersion in water, the use of the name of the Lord and the laying on of hands. Okay, Go to Hastings Encyclopedia of Religion. Christian baptism was administered using the words in the name of Jesus. Uh, Y'all can read through that. Got a couple pages of that. The history of Christian thought. The first baptism was administered in the name of Jesus, but gradually, you hear that? Gradually in the name of the triune God. So, Encyclopedia Biblica, uh, it is natural to conclude that baptism was administered in the earliest times in the name of Jesus Christ or in that, or in that of the Lord Jesus <clears throat> this view is confirmed by the fact that the earliest forms of, of the baptismal confession appear to have been single, not triple. Okay, Encyclopedia uh, Britannica. The baptismal formula was changed from the name of Jesus Christ to the words Father, Son, uh, and Holy Ghost by the Catholic Church in the second century. So instead of going and reading the accounts, which we probably will read some of them, but... I wanted to go to people, the encyclopedias and the people outside of the Bible, and let, they, they did their research. I didn't hear anything that I just read to you that sounded wrong. So they've done their research, and their conclusion is 
the, the, the original pattern, the way the forefathers did it, the way the, the apostles did it, was by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ. The authority is in the name. So did the early church baptize in the titles? We got a no answer finally. All right, page nine. <clears throat> did the apostles believe that the name of Jesus was important in baptism? Uh, in Acts chapter three, Peter and John are going to pray and they heal a man. Uh, again, get in trouble for that. You know what Paul and Silas got thrown in jail for casting a demon out of a woman. Well, here we have Paul, uh, uh, Peter and, and John getting in trouble for healing a, a lame man. And, uh, you know, that's the uh, silver and gold, have I none? And, and he heals the man and there's just nothing but trouble for him after that, you know, that they're, they're in trouble. They shouldn't be healing people, you know. But it wasn't necessarily that they healed the man that made everybody upset. It was the fact that they healed him in the name of, of Jesus. And so this thing leads to him getting arrested and getting finally beaten in chapter 5. But in the middle of all that, in Acts chapter 4, verse 10, Peter goes on and says, Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him that this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone, Jesus is the stone which was set at naught of you builders which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So we have the, the word salvation in verse 12, and we have the word saved. And neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. The apostles believed that that name was critical. Jesus had told them, whatsoever you ask in my name, I'll do it. So they believe when they put them on the water, they need to do it in the name. Right. Acts 2.21, it shall come to pass it, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, we've hit that. Acts 2.38, Peter said to them, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, is that for public profession of faith? No, no, no. That's not what he said it was for. He was pretty specific. For the remission of sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But he was very explicit how he wanted them to go under the water in the name. Um, Colossians 3.17, uh, Paul writes, Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So the early church were not wishy-washy. They were not mamsy-pamsy about the name of Jesus Christ. They believed in that name. They believed in the power of the name. They believed the healing was in the name. They believed the washing away of sins was in the name. And they never moved off that. Now, they gave their life for it. You know, the apostles were all martyred except uh, John. They all gave their life for the name of Jesus and for the gospel that they preached. And John, the Lord had prophesied he was going to live to be an old man. And he was putting a, history tells us, he was putting a pot of boiling oil when he was in his late 80s or 90s. And when that didn't kill him, they put him out on Patmos, and that's where he wrote the book of Revelation from. So, um, it costs you something to live for God. It really does. But is it worth it, brother? Yep. It's worth it. What did the church fathers say must precede baptism? What did the apostles, what did the disciples, what did Peter, James, and John, what did they say must precede baptism? Acts 2.38, Peter told us we need to repent. 
Now, a lot of people don't understand repentance, and that's beyond the scope of tonight. <clears throat> but repentance is not asking God to forgive you. Repentance is, is making up your mind. You're going to do it God's way. It's a letting go of the steering wheel. Remember the famous song from a few years back? Take the wheel or whatever the name of it. It's, it's a, a, an inward change of mind and an outward change of direction. And so when we teach repentance... And when the apostles taught repentance, we must not water it down to say and just ask God to forgive you. Because I did that for years and when I was a member of another church before I got the Holy Ghost. I would ask God to forgive me when I went to bed and said my prayers at night and planned on doing it again. That's not repentance. That's just not repentance. And, and God doesn't hear those prayers. I, I, I can expound, but we won't. Uh, <coughs> Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. In Acts 8, 36, uh, there we have Philip again. And um, what was preceded there? Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest be, be baptized. So, pre, we're talking about before pre-baptism. Repent. We've got instructions. Need to repent. Believe. Well, you really can't repent if you don't believe. Think about it. If you don't believe there's a God, how, how can you say, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to do what you say. You're going to be my boss. You're going to be, if you don't believe that He exists and that He loves you and that He paid the price for your sin. So believing and repentance are both uh, taught by the early church as, as prerequisites to going under the water. If you don't repent and you don't believe, you're just getting wet. You, you know, you're wasting a perfectly good robe and messing it up for that Sunday morning or whenever you're getting back. You're just getting wet. Acts 16, 30. And they brought them out and said, Sir, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've talked about this. Thou shalt be saved. So, repent and believe are prerequisites. They precede the act of going under the water and being buried with Christ in baptism. And that's what our early church fathers taught. And we have no right in the uh, following years to change what they taught because they were taught by Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, the Lord says in John 17, He says, He's praying this prayer. He's fixed to go to the cross. He's with His disciples. He said, Father, neither do I pray for these alone, talking about his apostles, but for all those that will believe on me through their, T-H-E-I-R, words. He said, I'm not just praying for these 11. I'm praying for all those who will believe on me through their words. Now, I want to be in, under that umbrella. Amen? Right. I want to be part of that prayer. <laughs> There's nobody I'd rather have praying for me than the, the Lord himself. Verse, uh, page 11. What happens when you're, to your sins... When you're baptized. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 16. This is the covenant that I will make. This is God. This is what we believe that uh, Paul is the author of Hebrews. Uh, writing about uh, God describing what happens in the uh, church age. Covenant. The covenant was circumcision. Now it's baptism which is, is circumcision of the heart. <clears throat> I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there's no more offering. That's why you didn't bring a goat when you came to church tonight. Because 
2,000 years ago, Christ died on the cross, and now God has washed your sins away when you've been obedient through repentance and through going under the water. So, uh, when you went under the water, if you truly repented, then God uh, gets amnesia. You say, well, God can't forget. Now, wait a minute. Don't limit God to what you can do. God can do anything. Nathan, if he says, I forget your sins. That, that, that's not the same as me saying I forget you. Because <laughs> right. I've got limitations on what I do. But if God chooses to forget because they're under the blood, and by the way, when you go under the water in Jesus' name, that's where the blood's applied. And I, I think that's in here. Yeah, that's on the, fact, that's the next word. Um, that's where your sins are forgiven. And he forgets them. Scriptures uh, talk about cast them as far as the east is from the west. All right. Here's another duo scripture where you got to have the quarterback and the wide receiver to make the thing complete. Okay, Mark, Matthew 26, 28. Jesus is at the Last Supper. He's with his disciples. He's, this is my blood. He's holding up a little cup. This is my blood, the New Testament, which is shed for many. What for? Remission of sins. For the remission of sins. Okay. Now hold that thought. Peter stands up on, on the Pentecost. Then Peter said to them, Repent, be baptized, every one of you. How? In the name of Jesus Christ. What for? Remission. For the remission of sins. So when Jesus said, my, my blood is shed for the remission of sins. And Peter says, If you'll go under the water, you'll get remission of sins. That's where the blood that he shed is applied to the sins you committed. That's the quarterback and the wide receiver, and it takes both. If, if, if back in Egypt, if, if they killed the lamb and they put it the blood in the bucket and they went and they put it over the doorpost, they were saved, right? The death angels. But what if they killed the lamb and they put the blood in the bucket and they just stood there and looked at it? They didn't apply it. Well, the application is baptism. The application of the blood, according to what Jesus said at the Last Supper, this is my blood, which is shed for the remission. Now I know that's a sin. He was holding. Wine, or you know, but his blood that he shed somehow in the, in the spiritual realm is applied to our sins when we obey, when we go under that water. Okay, so same exact words for the remission of sins. Five same exact words in, in Matthew 26 and Acts 2, page 12. What happens when you're, uh, to your sins when you're baptized? Okay, I'm still on the same topic. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Anybody tells you they don't have any sin, they just lied. So that's a sin right there. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation, which I define for you as to appease or to make right. Something's, something's got to happen to make what you did wrong, right, okay? And Jesus happened, and He is what He is the propitiation to make it right, okay? Through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. So that's how you get remission of sins is, is through baptism in His name, and that's where His blood is applied. And what happens to your sins is He forgets them. And this is what's neat about God's the gospel and what God does. He takes your sins... Look at the gospel. Repentance, you say, well, I'm not going to sin anymore. So you've made up your mind. Then God says, okay, erase everything that you've ever done. Okay. Oh, 
Nathan's not going to be able to live that. Uh, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost. Power for what? So you don't go back to that junk. Now, am I saying you can live a perfect life? No, because we're surrounded by sin. You know, you can't walk through the mall without seeing something or thinking something. So, so I'm not, don't misquote me and say that you forgot it all. You know, because you made up your mind, you went under the water, and now it gives you power that you don't do it anymore. You still fall. You're still in this old outward man. You're still in this carnal nature. But that is a beautiful. I think that's a beautiful salvation plan. Wipe everything clean and give you power. And, and the Bible says the Holy Ghost will lead you and guide you into all truth. So that, that is a day-by-day, line-upon-line, precept-upon-precept lifestyle to be conformed to the image of Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, For by one offering hath he perfected forever them that are sanctified. We're not going to have another Calvary because... Jesus has paid it all and we don't need another Calvary. And there's not, there's not a second Jesus because nobody else is going to be able to live perfect. But by this one offering that we get to apply to our sin when we go under the water in baptism, He has perfected forever them that are sanctified. What happens when, uh, to your sins when you're baptized? He perfects your sins. He sanctifies you and He washes your sins away. The next day, John, uh, I'm on John 1, 29. John the Baptist sees Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Now that's pretty significant when you read Hebrews 10 and 4. It says the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. So what else am I going to use? Am I going to use uh, bleach? <laughs> the blood of goats didn't do it. The blood of bulls couldn't do it. You know, no man could do it because nobody, they had their own sin. Oh, here's one, the Lamb of God, whose blood is qualified to take away the sins of the world. So that's what happens to your sins. And I believe that. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be up here teaching. I believe that when you go under the water, if you believe and, and repent it, that uh, He wipes them clean. And uh, you don't have to carry that old stuff with you anymore. The old, the old uh, slaves had to pick that cotton and by the time they got to the end of the those old sacks, those old burlap sacks were real long. By the time they got to the end of the row, they'd been dragging those, dragging and dragging and throwing cotton, throwing cotton. By the time they got to and those cuckaburs and things were grabbing on and pull, by, by the time they got to the end of the row, it was, it was a hard it was a hard pull. And see, God doesn't want us having that. He wants us free. Whom the Son is set free. Is free indeed. Page 13, number uh, 13, question. Are there any accounts of people being rebaptized in the scripture? There's one. There's one. <clears throat> Acts 19. I'm not going to read it. We're just going to talk about it. Paul meets these 12 guys that the Bible describes as disciples of John. Now, if you, if you study that and you go to some history, it may have been as long as 20 years since John had been beheaded when Acts 19 occurs. So, it, it may have been 15, it may have been 20, it may have been 23, 24, but it was a good little time in there. They think this was about, about 50 AD is when they think, I think Acts 19 happened. So, these guys are disciples of John and 
they, um, John's been dead for, let's say, at least 15 years. Okay? Paul meets up with him, and, he, and his, he doesn't say, oh, you know, how the New York Yankees doing, or, you know, how's the weather? Or he, have you seen the Holy Ghost since you believe? Because they must have told him they were believers. And um, they said, well, we didn't know anything about the Holy Ghost. And then Paul said, well, how were you baptized? Remember, Jesus said you had to be born of water and spirit. And they said, we were baptized unto John's baptism. Well, Jesus had said, John, no greater prophet has been born of a woman than John. So that you would think on the surface, that's a pretty good deal. That John, hey, wouldn't you be pretty proud of your baptism if John the Baptist baptized you? Right. You know? And but Paul reasoned with them and he said, Listen, guys, John was a great man, but he only baptized telling people that there was one coming after him that was going to baptize him with the Holy Ghost and fire. Have you received the Holy Ghost? And they said, so that one has now come. See, they didn't know Christ had come. And uh, so the scripture says, when they heard this, they were rebaptized. So they had been baptized by John the Baptist and these 12 men in this little street meeting that they're having there, go under the water in the name of Jesus Christ. And do you know the very next verse says that uh, Paul laid hands on them and the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Can you believe it? Isn't that cool? Yeah. So we do, when you encounter somebody that got sprinkled when they were six or got baptized when everybody else in the church that was 15 got baptized or, you know, went under in the titles or any of that, and they never have been baptized like the apostolic baptism described in our Bible. We do have a biblical example of somebody being rebaptized. When I have people that have been baptized biblically ask me, should I be rebaptized? Because they've gone out and messed up. My answer to them is pretty much always the same. I never tell anybody not to be rebaptized because I don't know if you truly repented before your previous baptism, and I don't want your blood on my hands. So you're going to have to make the choice. But I can tell you, if you don't have a clear conscience and you feel like you should, then you should. Yeah. And, there, and there is biblical uh, uh, backing for going under the water uh, again. <clears throat> and um, any, any questions on that? I was baptized at a very young age because I received the Holy Ghost at seven. Yeah. And... When I got older, I just felt like I wanted to be baptized because I didn't feel like I fully understood it. Right. You know, and and I think I I was probably 21 or 22 when I got rebaptized. And I, I don't know if it was, you know, I didn't, for me it wasn't like, oh, if I don't get rebaptized, I'm not saved. I think it was just more of... You might have done it more for you than for yeah. anything else. Just a yeah. peace of mind. Right. And, you know, what happened between 7 and 21? Well, yeah, we, we're, like I say, we're in a fallen world, and we make mistakes, and uh, 7 is awful young. And I can see where you were thinking, eh, I might not have understood enough to even go under the water at 7, and, and I want to make sure in respect to my walk with God. That, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I've seen that. I've seen people rebaptized who have been baptized biblically. Uh, but... A lot of these people, if you're ever ministering to somebody, 
And if you if you're getting to the topic of baptism, if if they may be interested or you think they may be interested in baptism, don't make the mistake of asking them, have you ever been baptized in Jesus' name? Because they'll always tell you yes. And that's not because they're lying. Uh, it's because they don't know. Right. And they, they stop here and you have to say, have you ever been baptized? And you say in Jesus. So don't say that. Say it this way. Say, have you ever been baptized in the titles Father, Son, Holy Ghost? And they'll say, yeah. And then you say, good, because I need to show you what the Bible says. There's a, right. And you can be rebaptized and do it like that. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Because yeah. you're dead in the water. When you say, have you been baptized in Jesus' name? And they errantly say, yes, you're, you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can't carry them anywhere else after that. Uh, okay, so we have that account. Um, we must right, rightly divide the word. A uh, couple of things here. People go to um, uh, to the thief on the cross and say he didn't get baptized, right? Right? They're dividing the word of truth. Well, the thief on the cross didn't live after after Calvary. He lived under law, and so you can't you can't go to somebody under law to prove something for us because we live under grace. So. So that's not rightly dividing the word. Acts 19, uh, Paul verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him that should come after him. Well, see, John the Baptist was under law. Every, John the Baptist was beheaded before the Holy Ghost. Okay, he, he lived under law just like Christ did. Okay, so you can't go to John the Baptist's baptism and say, all right, that saves me. Because now you're living under grace. All right? Luke 23, 43, Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. That's the thief on the cross. So both of these accounts are people who, had, who, who were living under the law. The thief on the cross and the, the twelve disciples of John. By the way, um, the 18th chapter of Acts, which is right before that encounter Paul had with the twelve... There's a, uh, there's a guy named uh, Apollos and the scripture says that he was eloquent and he was fervent and he was great in the scripture and a great orator. And then it says comma, but he only knew the baptism of John. John the Baptist. Okay? And Priscilla and Aquila took him aside and expounded upon him the word, the word of God more, more perfectly. And so you can read between the lines and understand what happened. Well, some believe that Apollos may have actually been the one that baptized these 12 disciples of John. They were, they were believers of John. They were followers of John. But he was right there in that in Ephesus in that same place. And he, was, he knew only the baptism of John. So there's one school of thought that maybe Apollos had baptized these, uh, these 12 guys. But whether he did or whether John the Baptist literally had, had baptized those 12 guys doesn't matter. Uh, they needed to be rebaptized in the name of Jesus. Page 15, why do people refuse to get baptized biblically? Oh my goodness, this is, uh, this is deep, deeper. Uh, Colossians 2.8, watch how you start. Beware, oh my goodness, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the, what did the Encyclopedia Britannica say that early church baptized in Jesus' name, the Catholic Church changed it? After the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. 
you're complete in Him, in Jesus, which is the head of all principality, in whom ye are also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands of putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with Him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen. So notice, my point here in putting this is that philosophy and traditions of men will keep you from believing and obeying baptism. Because the next topic, after he says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and deceit after, and not after Christ. And then he talks a little bit about Jesus and then he goes right into baptism. So he's given this huge warning to the Colossian church that, it, that people are going to try to add to the word. They're going to, Galatians, Paul said, uh, I, I'm shocked that you've moved off the gospel to another gospel, perverted the gospel. So everybody's trying to add to take away massage make money off of etc but the word is 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 truth whether anybody whether nobody believes it the word is the word all by itself and uh <clears throat> paul is warning that that baptism is going to be a very a very um you were talking about in those in those comments those people were making uh that baptism is going to be a very uh important um, spiritual battle and that the carnality and the traditions of men and the philosophy are going to come against that and try to keep you that I could cover all this in a hundred more verses and lay it out there with the most eloquent speech and perfect anointing and somebody that was steeped in another tradition just look at you and just go right over the head and not and not get it and that doesn't mean they're bad people. It just means that they're being spoiled and that they're being robbed, which is robbed through their through philosophy and vain deceit. And there's nobody more blind than somebody who doesn't want to see. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says if, if they're blind, the God of this world has blinded them lest they should see the glorious gospel of Christ. So why do people refuse to get baptized biblically? It's because they're traditions of men in philosophy. Page 16, we're almost done. Uh, baptism mentioned in the epistles. Uh, some of these are interesting. You, you don't get a, much teaching on these, but I'm going to read them and we'll discuss them just real briefly. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6 uh, starts at 9 and 10 says that you're, you're uh, liars, adulterers, fornicators, and such were some of you. But then it goes, but now are ye washed. What does that wash mean? Baptized. Yes. But ye are sanctified, but ye are justified. How? In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You remember John 3, 5? Must be born of water and spirit. There's what Paul's saying. He said, you, he's telling the church at Corinthians, you were a bunch of low-down, rotten sinners. But now are you washed? Are you sanctified? And how'd you do it? By the, by the name, in the name of the Lord and by the Spirit of our God. Water and spirit. Colossians 3.27, we're in the epistles, we're talking about baptism, uh, water baptism. As many as you has been baptized into Christ that put on Christ. So not only does baptism take away some things, it puts on some things. It takes away your sin and it puts on Christ. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good deal. Right. Good trade-off. <laughs> that's a real good trade You know, I put this shirt on. I'm wearing this shirt, right? Well, when I went under the water in Jesus' name, from that point to this point, I'm wearing Him. Right. Okay. He, he's he's on. He's in me. What? Well, I heard Bart Morgan say this. I believe it's biblical. 
He said, you, you, you get baptized to get in Christ, because that's what he just said here. And he says, you get the Holy Ghost to get Christ in you, water and spirit. So Jesus said, I'm in the Father, and the Father's in me, and he's our example. So you get baptized to get in Christ, and you get the Holy Ghost to get Christ in you. And then you follow in the example of Christ. 1 Corinthians 1, 13. This is Paul writing. He gets kind of comical here. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? They were arguing about what name people should be baptized in. Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name. <laughs> they were getting you know, carnal and arguing about, but notice there, the one that died for you is the one, is, you see what I'm saying? You see the insinuation here? Did, was, I, was Paul crucified for you? Was you baptized in Paul's name? No. So he's insinuating the one that died for you is the, is the name that you need to be buried in. Ephesians 4, there's one body and one spirit, even as we are called in one hope of your, your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. There's no doubt there's one baptism. And uh, you're going to catch a lot of fire for that if you stand boldly. The last page is just the mentions in the book of Acts of the of baptism. And uh, uh, all of them are, are, are good mentions and none of them uh, dispute the immersion in water. None of them dispute the, uh, the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, five of them specifically say that that is done in the name of, of Jesus. When, uh, when Peter went to Cornelius' house, <clears throat> you know, we didn't, we didn't have time, we didn't get into the Matthew 28, Protestant and Holy Ghost title thing too much, but I want, you, I want to leave you with this because I'm out of time. The, the 11 disciples are meeting with Jesus before His ascension in Matthew 28, and He says, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. Go ye therefore baptize the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost. Now I know what that means and I know what they did. <clears throat> Peter stands up on the Pentecost and he says, <clears throat> Repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay. So, I've heard people say, <clears throat> and I believe this is ignorance, but I've heard people say, I'd rather do what Jesus said than what Peter said. Now, you've got to make sure you're up with me because Jesus said what Matthew recorded and Peter said what Luke recorded in Acts, okay? So I've heard people say, and that kind of crawls on my skin a little bit because I believe the Word of God, there's no, there's no fractures and there's no infallible, that it's infallible. And so that really kind of gets all over me, but I just have to calm myself down and because I think it's very ignorant to say, I'd rather do what Jesus said than what... You have to reconcile those scriptures and see, because they're not saying two different things. Right. If Peter was not doing what Jesus commanded, I'm going to leave you with this. Why in Acts chapter 8 did an angel, or in Acts chapter 10, did an angel go to Cornelius who was praying night and day and fasting and say, you need to send for Peter. He'll tell you how to get saved. 
If I'd rather do what Jesus said than what Peter said, that and Peter was telling it wrong, and they were they got it all. Why would God Almighty send an angel right. to Cornelius to instruct him? Now we know that God chooses through the foolishness of preaching that God's not going to come down, an angel's not going to tell you how to get saved. That He uses humanity for that. But He He, he did take an angel and told him who to get to tell him what to do, and that man was Peter. And of course, we know what Peter told him to do. <clears throat> so um, that just goes to show you the battle that we're in. There's less than 2% of the world is baptized in Jesus' name. And uh, by immersion in water. But I call it biblical baptism. That's the title of our lesson. Right? Less than 2% of the world, and maybe closer to one than two, uh, is put under the water for the remission of sins. So does that mean that we cave? Does that mean we... We move off of the doctrine that the early church gave their life for. You can't do it. Jesus, when He said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, the Bible says many turned and walked with Him no more. And He said, will you leave too? He looked at His disciples. They stayed. They stayed. And they stayed. And they stayed. And they got persecuted. And they got stoned. And they got beheaded. But guess what? The foundations of New Jerusalem had their names on them. That's going to come down. New Jerusalem, the city bright, shining. It's got those guys who gave their life for this name coming down. And so you think they're regretting that they gave up their job or they gave up their life right now? <laughs> I think they're pretty happy with their decision. Consider the end. Thank you for coming tonight. Let's pray. Lord, you're great. <clears throat> we just scratched the surface on, uh, uh, on baptism and we didn't have time to really get deep into it and cover a lot of the neat stuff about it. But we know your word is, is clear. You're not the author of confusion. I pray that you'd help us to have a good, solid foundation. Uh, I pray, God, that we could uh, teach it and preach it in love. If I said anything that was mean or rude or competitive, I pray you'd forgive me and wash it uh, from the, uh, the uh, podcast thing that they recorded. Bless these men and bless this church. Now we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.